It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about behind the scenes of podcast production. This is Big Podcast. I got a question from Diane Rommel, maybe a request. She is interested in being a podcast manager or maybe a producer. She wasn't sure of the name and she's looking for a mentor. So that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about what podcast management and also production entails. But first, let me give you a related side note. Job names and descriptions in podcasting are funny. I think because podcasting is so new and fluid that we've borrowed from many different industries. So there's a lot of confusion on what something is called, and this happens all the time. I got a call earlier this year from a major technology company. I'm not going to say the name, but let's just say this. If you have a podcast, you work with them. And after 25 years of being self-employed, I actually thought about taking this gig. It was that good of an opportunity for me. And here's what the gig was. It was being a podcast producer at a new network that they're starting. It was maybe 10 minutes from my house. It was a great match for me. Until I found that podcast producer and I'm putting my quote fingers up in the air, that wasn't exactly the gig. They were looking for an editor. In my world, a producer doesn't touch the tech. He can, but he's focusing on more big picture stuff. Engineers and editors are the tech people. As I mentioned, podcasting being so new, we've borrowed from other industries. And maybe the reason I think of engineers and editors this way is because I'm in Nashville And that's how the record business is. Regardless, though, there's a lot of fluidity in podcasting. Lots of people do a lot of different things. But the producer job is different from the engineering job. So I'm going to take you behind the scenes of a show that I do, Music Business Radio. It's actually a broadcast radio show, but there's also a podcast version of this show. This is how I got into podcasting, was working on a radio show. Hey, why don't we do a podcast? And we did. But we treat it like a radio show because we do it, at least we're not in quarantine and it's safe to do it. We do it at a radio station. It goes out of a broadcast. I think that if your show is strictly a podcast and you learn from other podcasters or you've just figured it out on your own, I think you'll get something out of this too. This show, it began in 2005. And on the credits, I get production credit, as does the engineer, Stephanie Lesher. And we both take some role in production, but our primary jobs are for me hosting and for her getting everything recorded, edited, distributed, all the tech stuff, working with guests, making sure their mics are ready now that we're doing remote recording. I don't touch any of that. And we've got a dedicated producer. He doesn't touch any of that. He does the big picture stuff. He works with the radio station, gets us connected with people to interview via his connections. He schedules. He does the money. Again, None of the tech stuff. I'm going to run you through the process that we take on every episode. This might be overkill for just a podcast because since we're on the radio, we've got different things to think about. Things like ratings, keeping station managers happy. So that changes how we make decisions and that sometimes prolongs the process. There are a lot of similarities to how I do my straight podcast, but because we're dealing with so many people, so many moving parts as far as distribution, There are a lot more people to keep happy. 
So I'm going to give you a real life example of an episode we're in process of doing right now. Last week, I got a call from the producer. He had been in touch with a guy that we both know because he's been on the show before. And this guy has something new going on. Here's the question that we ask. Would this make a good episode? Do we need to have him back again? That was the discussion that I had. A few hours later, I checked my email. The producer has set up a call with us and also this potential guest. It turns out there are two. And the call is basically them pitching us their idea for the show, but not really. What we're doing from our end is we are hearing what they can do and seeing if there's a hook that works for us. So they're not convincing us. It's more of us digging for the story. And since we have a relationship with this guy, I mean, we're all in this business together. You as a host, you need guests to have good episodes and they need you to get the word out about what they're doing. And what I like to do is come up with something that works for everybody. Just yesterday, we had that call. I thought it was going to be about 15 minutes. We went for almost an hour. It's me, the producer, the two guys, and they're telling us the idea for the show. They're 100% looking to get the word out about something that they're doing, something that our audience would like, but it kind of fits into advertising. We mentioned that. No, we don't want to advertise. <laughs> we just got like, hey, we don't believe in you that much. We just want the freebies. But still, since I knew these guys, what ended up happening? Again, two people that we're going to get on. We've got 54 minutes because it's an hour show, six minutes of commercials. And that's a hard stop. We can't go on because we've got the next show on the station that comes on after that. Going any longer is not an option. But we get into a problem when they come with so much information for us. You try to cram all of that in 54 minutes. It's not a satisfying experience. So you can't have too little. You can't have it too pitchy. You can't have too much. What we ended up doing, at least for now, I'm waiting on some information from these guys and I'm waiting to talk to my producer again. I think we're going to end up doing two episodes. We don't mind. We're not caught up in the fact that, yeah, they could advertise and we could turn them into an advertiser. If you're doing your podcast guest selection right, that could be anybody that you have on your podcast. And we've seen this a lot in podcasting lately is that podcasters are charging people to be on their show, charging guests. That to me is a disservice to your audience. When I'm doing these calls, the producer's doing these calls, we're always thinking about the audience. We want to go with somebody who has the best content, who can deliver it in the best way, the most entertaining way, the most thorough way. That helps us grow our audience and that allows us to get more money from advertisers, even if it's not these guys. Again, this thing works both ways. The guest needs us, but we need the guest. Everything is in service to the audience. And when you think that way, when you're talking to guests, when you're trying to come up with episodes, a lot of the issues that you could have later will work themselves out. So back to this process. My producer, he's already let them know about the tech requirements. And I talked to them a little bit about that on this call. As I mentioned, as of right now, we are doing all interviews remotely. He's scheduled a time for them to meet with the engineer and do an equipment test because we know these guys and they're musicians. This is music business radio, remember? So they're recording all the time. But we still want to make sure 
that they're going to give us good quality audio. That is as important, especially for a broadcast radio show where there are higher standards than there are for podcasting, as the content. Before listeners actually listen to you, they're hearing the quality of your sound. That lets them know that they should continue to listen to you. You have a lot of podcasters that will say this, and you'll certainly have guests that will try to convince you of this. Well, it's the content that matters. No, not entirely. It's also how you sound. And again, let's take it back to who is this for? It's for the audience. It needs to be recorded well. The content needs to be good. All of this stuff is important. Do not let a guest or anybody convince you that sound quality doesn't matter and just a phoner or all I've got is this computer microphone. Will that work? The answer is no, we don't do just phoners. And no, your computer microphone will not work. That's part of the producer's job as well. With that said, I'm backing that up. The engineer is backing that up. The producer and the engineer, they are testing this beforehand. I don't want to show up. I don't want the engineer to show up. I don't want the producer to show up. It's three different people on a session and somebody doesn't have the correct mic. We've had that happen. And here's what we do. Hey, sorry, you don't have the correct mic. We're going to have to reschedule. Sometimes we reschedule. Sometimes we don't. You miss an opportunity with us if you don't come correct as far as your mic. We've warned you. We've talked to you. You said you had handled it. If you didn't handle it, you may get another opportunity. You may not. And that's not out of spite. It's because we're busy. In the next two months, we have one session open. And it looks like it's booked. We book very far out. And that is another thing that the producer is handling for us. He's helping to work those bookings. He's helping to coordinate me. He's helping to coordinate engineer Stephanie. Normally what we do is we have a set time. Two o'clock Tuesday afternoon. But sometimes that changes. An example of that is we've got an episode here in a couple weeks. Dude's in Germany. Seven, eight hours difference. Could we do it earlier? That was the request. Yeah, we can do it. We just have to schedule it. Not such a big deal now because we're not in the same studio, but we tape at a working radio station. And if that studio is in use by one of the jocks, if it's in use for another interview, it's in use for a band that's recording or other types of production, we don't have access to it. That's one of the things that the producer is coordinating. He's putting all these moving parts together and making sure that when we show up, everybody's there, everybody has the proper equipment, everybody is prepared, we know what we're going to do so we can get in, record it, get out, and have an excellent show. Here's the next step of this show that I'm running you through, the one with the two guys that we just talked to. I'm going to get on a call with him. We're going to work out a hook and a general line of questioning. These are topics, not exact questions. The topic for this particular show, it's called Music Sync. If you think of film and TV music, the music that you hear behind the scenes and the music that you hear in advertising, that's what that is. Sync is syncing up synchronization of video that's what you watch on your television, your film, and audio, the music behind it. So we're talking about sync, and we're coming up with a line of questioning. Again, the topics, not the exact questions, to serve our audience. The interview, assuming we do it, it gets scheduled. 
As I mentioned, we have a weekly time that we keep open just for this, 2 p.m. on Tuesday, every single week. And it's up to them to fit into one of those weeks. One opening in the next 10 weeks. That's where we are right now. What we try to do is have everything on an automated calendar. We have a Google calendar that is shared between me, the engineer, and the producer. So we can look at it and know up to the minute what is booked and what is not. We have a calendar link that goes to the guest or the publicist or the manager, whomever we're dealing with. They see availability. If they don't jump on something and it gets taken, it doesn't book. We do not get double booked because of this calendar. Everything is automated. Somebody books via the online calendar, and here's what happens next. We ask for contact information. We want their name, company, email, a phone number, because we're doing these sessions remotely right now. And if there's something with the online connection that we use, which we use clean feed, by the way, we can call the person, get him on the phone, help him work through any problems that we have. We also want to know what type of microphone the guest will be using. And this is brand new because we've recently switched into these remotely recorded sessions. We're in the studio. We don't care. We provide our own mics and that's less work for the guests. But now that things are remote, we need to know what kind of mic, because as we talked about, the sound is very important. If somebody needs help with audio, when they book is where we find out. Then what? The date gets blacked out so nobody else can book is automatically added to the calendar. I've talked about this, the producer's calendar, the engineer's calendar, We all know that everything is booked. And when we're doing an in-person interview, the studio is automatically booked. The guest gets an automated email verifying the details and letting him know the process. And this is the process that I'm explaining here. You have to keep in mind that you do this every week, maybe every day. You've got guests that are coming to you. They might not have ever done it before and they're nervous and they don't know how to show up. And maybe they've done a phoner or use their earbuds previously. You've got to let them know that that will not work for you. You have to let them know the rules of your house. The engineer, she gets an automated email with details on what mic the guest will be using. That's important because she needs to know if she needs to reach out to the guy, maybe give him a little bit of extra handholding to work through any audio issues he might have. With that information, the engineer books a sound check with the guest I reach out for pre-interview information. And I mentioned this call that we just did with two potential guests. That's what I was doing, but it was done ahead of time. That's the pre-interview. That's finding the hook. If I know them and if they've been on the episode before, finding where they've been and what they've been doing since then. If I don't know them, I get to know them a little bit, let them know what the process is when they come into the studio or set up with us remotely. Again, we do not assume that they know anything about recording a radio show or a podcast. We don't assume that they know how important a microphone is. So I'm hammering that home. The producer is hammering that home. The engineer is hammering that home. At that point, I do individual research. I reach out to the producer to talk about what he knows about the topic or what he knows about the guest. This is something I think is important if you want to be a podcast producer. This is going to help you big time to get better clients, to get better shows, to do a better job with your podcast. 
Our producer is a specialist. He not only knows radio, but he knows the industry that we are in, music business. He was an artist writer at one time. He owns a publishing company. He's done management. He is in the trenches. So he knows a lot of the people that we interview, a lot more of them than I do. And I know a lot of them too, because I have those same qualifications. I was an artist. I was a writer, owned a publishing company, have done management, have done booking. That's how I ended up doing this show. If you're a specialist, you're going to have great opportunities as a host. You're going to have great opportunities as a producer because those connections that you have, that allows you to reach in to the pool of people who work in that business and get people to come in that you wouldn't normally be able to do. How we built this show was because we were insiders. We went to all our buddies. Hey man, we're starting this show. I didn't have a whole lot of radio experience when I got into this. I'd done radio in the early 90s, just as a college student. I did a little bit of radio in the mid-90s to market my music marketing company, but it was more or less me playing music. I did a few interviews. It's more or less a music show. It wasn't anything like we're doing now, which is a long-form interview. I had no idea how to do that, but I did have connections. I did have experience. I did have knowledge. And if you want to be a producer... If you want to be a really successful host, I say dance with the one that brung you. If you've got an industry that you're in, that is your best opportunity for breaking into podcast production or breaking into podcast hosting because you know the questions to ask. You know what makes a good story. You have the connections. You know what's under the surface. So you're not like these guys that know nothing about an industry, like the morning show guys, or even worse, I think, are these guys who are on early morning television. And they're reading from cue cards and it's obvious that they haven't done any kind of research. They've got five of these guests every episode and they're exhausted. And they'll say, boxers or briefs? What I call boxers or briefs interviews. It's ridiculous. Who are you dating now? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Not unless it's a pop culture show. In that case, maybe somebody cares. But if you really want to go deep, you have the opportunity to do that. When we do the interview, it's all three of us on the line or it's all three of us in the studio, me, engineer, and the producer. We do the interview. We cut the promos with the guest. So after the interview is done, I'll say, all right, we're going to do a promo. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to ask you, what are we going to talk about? And we're going to time shift this as if we haven't talked about it because the promo comes before the show. So I'll give you an example of this. Let's say the guy's name is John Smith. He's an artist, and you know him from whatever his big hit was. I'd say, hey, it's David Hooper at Music Business Radio. My guest this week is John Smith. You know him because he's won 1,000 Grammy Awards, he's toured the world, and he's had 800 palimony suits. John, what are we going to talk about? Then he's going to say, well, Dave, we're going to talk about flying the world in a Learjet, writing a hit song, and sleeping on a mattress stuffed with money. Then I'll say, that's this week on Music Business Radio. Tune in Sunday nights at 7 and a replay Monday night at 10. That's after we've cut the show. The show is 54 minutes of good tape. It's an hour-long show with six minutes of commercials. That's how the math works out. We do it in four segments. We have a guest come in, and we kind of know what those segments are going to be. We say, we need 13 minutes from you, 13 minutes from you, 13 minutes from you, and 13 minutes from you. It adds up to 54 minutes. And sometimes a section will be 12 minutes. Sometimes it'll be 16. We worked that out in the editing. We kind of know the numbers. And because we have music, 
we can get these numbers exact, meaning that if we play something, for instance, an example of what the guy wrote, we can fade that out a little bit earlier, a little bit later to allow us to get that 54 minutes in exactly. That takes a couple of hours, assuming everything goes well. Here's where we get back to the producer. He is in charge of scheduling everything for broadcast. That means when I have Sunday nights and Monday nights, he makes sure that the promo is out the week beforehand. He makes sure that that Sunday episode comes out on Sunday. The Monday episode comes out on Monday. The podcast is up because what we try to do is people on the broadcast, if they come in in the middle of it, we want them to get the full show. We send them over to the podcast. And that scheduling, that can be impacted by a lot of things. For example, we never do a first-run episode on a holiday or if there's an important music business event, something like the Grammys. We'll skip that evening, put the first-run episode in next week. He's looking at all those things. There's some writing involved, some for the radio station newsletters, social media, promotion, the advertising guys who are going out and selling the ads for the show. There's some scheduling as far as the engineer goes. It's not uncommon for us to tape new episodes weekly and sometimes even more than one. So he works with her to make sure things run on time and that we stick to our publishing schedule. Because while I'm going in there just for a couple of hours, as far as the actual recording, after that, she handles all the work. I handle it up to that point. We do a handoff during the recording and then it's up to her. So he is to make sure that she is able to stick with the schedule. I don't really have a schedule. My schedule is be prepared before we actually go in there. But she's got some stuff that I think is a whole lot more stressful and that she's got to get that 54 minutes of content out to the broadcast stations that we have, people who are expecting this interview to be done. For me, we can always move a guest to the next week if for some reason that I'm not ready. The producer is making sure that everything runs smoothly. He's making sure that I'm ready. He's making sure that she is ready. He's kind of like the boss, even though we do work as a team. I mentioned that we play music. Sometimes we need to hunt down that music that we talk about. A lot of times that's really easy. You go to Spotify, you download it, you're good to go. But sometimes these are demos. Sometimes these are work tapes. We'll have a writer come in, for example. Oh yeah, we wrote this song and I think there's a tape of it somewhere. I said, man, that would be great to have that tape. We'll act like we've got it. And then we go to the publishing company that he was writing for. Hey, can we get that tape? Can we clear it? The producer does that. It's not as easy as always downloading something via Spotify. And if something like that happens, it's worth noting that we think ahead. So I'll do two versions of what we're doing. Hey, let's play that work tape. Intro the work tape, talk about the work tape or what I think the work tape is going to be. Or if I'm on the fence about getting that work tape, I'll say something like, well, we've been talking about how this song came together. Let's hear the version everybody knows. Here it is. Then I'll introduce the song. We'll play the song everybody knows or a portion of it and then take it from there. A lot of the producer business, and this goes for all of us who are working on this show, it's keeping our ears open for new opportunities, new guests, current topics that we could talk about, ways to promote. A producer is an ear to the street that can connect you as the host with your audience. And as a host, hopefully you're in the trenches yourself. You should be connected to that audience. But you probably know this from any relationship or any conversation you've ever had. Sometimes you can be in the same conversation with somebody 
They hear one thing, you hear something else. The producer is going to bring in other perspective. And that's really important. That's another reason why it's best for you to be a specialist with what you're talking about. You would not want an atheist to be producing a Christian podcast. And you wouldn't want a Christian to be producing an atheist podcast. It's good to have somebody in the trenches who knows what he's doing, who's had the experiences, who connects with the people, and can talk about these things firsthand and have those relationships with those people to ask them questions, to have them on the show, to get their advice. It really is about being present and being connected. That's a huge part of the production job. I think that's one of the reasons that our show has been so successful. When we started, we had an uphill battle. For one, I had to win over the radio station. They've got a limited amount of time. They've got a limited amount of resources. I had this idea that I wanted to get on the air and I had to get to the manager and actually went over my current producer. (laughs) He wasn't so sure at first either, but I said, no, I think we can do this. And the way we did it was because I was a specialist. I brought him on and because he was a specialist, he was able to bring other people on. And that wasn't just within the radio station. That was within the community. That was with the first guests that we had. We had to go to our friends at first. And if you can bring in people to give your show a boost and people that will give good content and again, focus on the listeners and the people who are able to do these things in an entertaining way, that is huge. And that's an important part of the producer. It's somebody who's not just you say my podcast, my podcast, my podcast. It's other people talking about your podcast. It's other people talking about you. It's having other people on the team. So you're starting that momentum from within. So if you want to get a job as a producer or you want to produce a podcast from the beginning, you are an important part of that team. It is all hands on deck. The engineer is doing the same thing. She's in the trenches too. And she'll be in conversations when she's engineering other things. Oh, you should come on music business radio. She's always looking out. My producer is always looking out. I'm always looking out. We've got other people at the station always looking out. We've got the ad guys always looking out. If you've got that kind of team, you will build what you are building and do it in a very good way. If you don't, you can still do it, but it's tougher to push that boulder up the hill. But here's the good news. Once you get it up that hill, you get that big boulder and it's coming down the other side, then it's easier. You've got the momentum. You've got the history. These two guys that we were talking to on this pre-call, I looked up the first time one of them had been on, 2009. So we've had this relationship for over a decade. Now he's coming to us. He's bringing us good content. We're not getting one episode. We're getting two episodes out of it. He's getting what he wants. We're getting what we want. It's good. Everybody benefits. Sort of a side note, when I started this show in 2005, it was to promote my business. It was a marketing arm for my business, which at the time was called musicmarketing.com. I did not expect to go deeper into radio, to go deeper into podcasting, which is the main thing that I do now. I also didn't expect to really get connected with the people that I work with. I love these guys. They are like a family to me. And when I look back on my life and when I look back on my career This has been a huge, huge 
experience for me. It has been amazing to meet with these guys and to see their passion and to have them believe in me and to help me and for me to be able to help them as well and just have fun. It's so great every Tuesday you get together with the people that you like and you're like, man, I I can't believe we're doing this. This is amazing. And 15, 20 years in, and it's like, well, this is incredible. I would be doing this for free. That's the kind of thing that you can bring as a producer. You're part of a team. And if you put that team together, and that would be part of your job as a producer, you can bring those experiences to people. And that's one of those things that I think it gives you longevity. I think it gives you more money and it gives you job security. I've had other people reach out to me since then, arguably bigger opportunities. I talked about one of them, that major technology company, and they want what I've got or they want me for what I'm doing. And I've thought about it and it's like, no, man, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. I think bringing that fun and that sense of we're going to get this thing done and that sense of ease to the studio and ease to the booking, because it can be really stressful when you know you've got to get a show out, especially for something like broadcast that's already scheduled and it's not done. But to bring that ease, that's a huge thing that you bring to the table as a manager or as a producer. And it's not tech. It's people skills, soft skills. So don't underestimate that. It really is like a family when you're working with these guys. It's like being married to three people. And you know, sometimes that can be tough just being married to one if you're married. (laughs) I don't know how the polygamists do it. (laughs) It's great when it works though. It really is a lot of fun. And that's one of the things that you can bring to the table. So let's go back to Diane Romel Faye's question about podcast manager. I would say this to the musical artists that I used to do work with. I would tell them that you do not need a manager because you have nothing to manage. I had these guys, oh man, I need a booking agent. I need a manager. I need a record label. It's like, all right, well, give me a demo. Well, we haven't recorded anything yet. Okay, where can I go see your show? Uh, we haven't done a show yet. I mean, man, if you're not ready to do a show, if you don't have songs or something recorded, a booking agent's not going to help you. If you've got nobody who is coming to you, knocking on your door, a manager is not going to help you. When we talk about manager in the classic sense, somebody to manage your business. And there are lots of podcasts that have nothing to manage. But if you want to break in and find somebody to manage, one of the best ways you can do that is to create something that you need to manage. So if you can find somebody with a good foundation who's showing up consistently, they're willing to work hard, that podcast or that podcaster might have something to manage in the future. That's what you can help with. That is your best option to break into something like this. Find new talent and get in the sidecar with that new talent. Or maybe they're in the sidecar with you. Because I'm of the belief that even though I'm on the mic and people think that a certain show is me or that it's me who's running everything, that everybody in the room is equally important. I couldn't do it without a great engineer. I couldn't do it without a great producer. I could not do it without somebody that gave me permission to get on a big broadcast radio tower and blast that signal to tens of thousands of people every week. It is not just me. 
And if you can find somebody who gets that and you can partner with them, it can be a lot of fun. The opposite of that is you find somebody who thinks it's all about them. (laughs) That's hell, man. Don't do it because you're going to be an important part of this process. And I would argue that you are equally important to the talent that you are working with. I think a combination of producer and manager can be very helpful to a podcast. One of the best things that Gary, that's my producer, does for me is to give me somebody to bounce ideas off of. I mentioned that he has a publishing company. He was an artist and writer. I did the same thing. And when we've got somebody who's coming to us, like the two guys that I've talked about that we did that pre-interview with, the sync guys, talking about film and TV licensing, I can go to Gary and say, all right, let's discuss this. What has your experience been with film and TV licensing? What has my experience been with film and TV licensing? And he's got experience in the country world. I had experience in the pop world and indie world. It's a good thing to bounce ideas off of each other. That's how you come up with the best ideas. So that's one of the best things that he does for me is gives me somebody to bounce ideas off of. When I'm in the middle of the interview, even we're in the studio together, we're doing a remote session. Sometimes I'll go to him and I'll say, Hey man, where should we go next? Cause I'm so into it. So close. Sometimes I'm missing that big picture. Sometimes I leave something out. That's super helpful in producing a great episode, but you have to have somebody that recognizes that when you're working with people and not all hosts do. But if you're a producer and you're working with a host, you've got to have a host that recognizes that and not all hosts do. Some hosts, they think it's all about them. These guys who name their shows, the blank blank show, the John Smith show, the William Jones show. Yeah, yeah, we get it all about you. Litmus test? I don't know, but that's not what you want. That's not to say that you can't have a celebrity who names a show after himself. That's fine. If that's the show, that's the show. But you don't want something like a band that hasn't written a song yet or hasn't done a gig yet that thinks they've got something to manage or that thinks the world revolves around them. If you're looking for a job as a producer or a manager, it definitely helps if you know some basic tech stuff, like how to edit, how to upload something. All hands are on deck. Just like you're going out to sell the show, talk about it, to bring in new guests. It can be beneficial when you're on a deadline if you know how to do some things like social media, upload stuff, edit stuff, get it distributed. I talked about this, but it's worth mentioning again. It helps if you know people and have relationships. Here is the bottom line. Creating a podcast, a successful podcast, like any business, it takes a thousand little things, not just a few big things. Tech is at the very low end of that. Tech is easy to hire. The relationships, the personality that you bring to the table. If you're in the same room when the session is being recorded, sometimes just being that calm guy, that's going to help the host get a better interview. Sometimes the producer is mediating. You got a guest, he's agitated. He's got an ego. Your host maybe has an ego. They're getting into it. The producer has to pull you guys apart. Sometimes the producer is the bad cop when you're the good cop. Because if you're interviewing somebody, you want him on your side. You want to be on the same team, but you're not getting the episode that you want. And the producer has to be the one that says, "Uh, hey man, you didn't answer this question. Or what about this? Or what about the money? Let's get into the nitty gritty. You're not comfortable. You want to break that rapport but the producer can do that. And that's the kind of thing that you work out ahead of time. Hey, producer, you're the bad cop, I'm the good cop. 
it works. Let me share one more thing with you about Gary, my producer. I think that this is really great. For the last four years, our flagship station, WRLT in Nashville, it's won the FMQB AAA radio station of the year. FMQB, that's Friday morning quarterback. It's a radio journal. Everybody in the industry knows about it. And they are the station of the year, four years running. That is a huge deal. And because of success like that, anybody in radio will take his call. If we wanted to be syndicated on 100 stations this year, we could do it. Because people trust his judgment. Even if somebody's not talking to him, they're watching him. He speaks at these radio events. They watch the radio news. They see what this station is doing. And they see the decisions that he makes. Let me ask that about you. Do people trust your judgment? If so, you can make your own position in podcasting. And you will have opportunities like this one, like the one that I spoke about at the beginning of this episode. Non-tech companies, big companies who want to get the word out about their business, they are coming into podcasting because it is a great way to do that. So if you've got these skills, you have an opportunity. You just have to put together the team. You just have to be the person these people want to work with. (laughs) I got a funny story about this too. I talked about that tech job, tech company calling me up and they wanted me to start this network with them, right? I used Gary as a reference. They tried to recruit him too. (laughs) This guy's constantly getting recruited. I mentioned that I'd have a couple of those opportunities and I think it comes down to this for us. We like doing what we're doing and that's the other opportunity that you have as a podcast producer or somebody as part of a podcast production team, because that's really what I'm talking about here. You being part of a podcast production team, a good team doesn't just happen. It's built. It's you showing up. It's you doing the work. It's the people on your team showing up, doing the work. If you can put that together and be part of that, you will have your opportunity and keeping that opportunity and working with what we got is what we decided to do in the end. We were happy doing our own thing I think that's the real power of podcasting. If you've got questions, reach out to me, bigpodcast.com. That's where I live. That's where these podcasts live. If you have not gotten my other podcasts, I've got a 30-day solo episode challenge. I've got something called Podcast Interviewing School, Podcast Jumpstart to get your marketing in order. All of these are available to you for free at bigpodcast.com slash subscribe bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Diane Romel Fay for the question about podcast management and podcast production. If you've got questions, go to the same place, bigpodcast.com, send them to me. I'm happy to talk about those, answer your question, maybe get you connected, give you a little shout out. I'm always open to it. So reach out to me, bigpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode.